Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I am here with my friend Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there. No, I'm good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> that made I'll it sound that. like really negative. Okay. <laughs> so this is episode 34. We're heading into the second week of January, and today we're going to talk about milestones, which sounds really yes. kind of big and scary, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of different milestones from kind of the preschool and elementary school years and also just talk in general about how we approach milestones of our kids as moms, um, how sometimes it can get kind of worrisome or competitive, but um, also some of the ones you and I just love and some of the ones that are fun past those baby years. So Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things I love the most about milestones, especially when we're talking like school-aged and up, is that I can still so clearly remember hitting some of the ones that I think we're going to talk about today. And so I think it's really fun to be able to identify with your kids in that way. I love that. Yeah, that's so true when you can remember the doing the things that you see your kids doing. I love that. Um, and I will say that one of the reasons we're not going to talk so much about baby and toddler years today is because we've done two episodes on that. So if you're new to the show and haven't binge listened to us all the way through, you're going to want to check out episode 19 and also episode 24. Those are about kind of the infant and toddler years. And while we weren't, I don't think we called it milestones. We ended up talking a lot about those classic baby and toddler milestones. So we're today we're going to head from like say ages three on up and some even beyond where my kids are. So some, I'm just going to be asking you, you know, how you think about some of these things. (laughs) All right. But first we're going to do our semi-regular, irregular, regular segment where we laugh at each other's Instagram feeds. And I am laughing so hard because your Instagram feed at Megan Francis, for those of you who want to check Megan out is, has been taken over by a very small new addition to your household. Yes. Um, his <laughs> Please name- <laughs> introduce us. Please introduce us. And that's Megan with two A's. I just always have to point this out. I know. No, I, I know. You people don't. don't if, if people are listening and don't know, it's M-E-A-G-A-N. Yes. I'm sure there's a Megan Francis out there that does not have the extra A, and you'll be confused if you don't find yes. me there. There will so, not be any furry creatures, probably. I don't know. Or maybe they'll be all – who knows? I'm going to check her out to find out. But um, So for Christmas, Clara got a new hamster named Scotty Cheese Hands. Who came his up name with this name? Okay, I don't know. His name was different. The first day it was like Mr. <laughs> Kibbles, and that was her name, which is also pretty cute. And then I think, I want to say it was Isaac. That's got Isaac written all over it. Yeah. Um, so the, <laughs> on Christmas Day, she came in my room all excited before she went to bed and said, his name is, we've changed his name, he's Scotty Cheese Hands. And so that name has really taken off. Um, I love it. And, you know, it's funny because John and I had talked about getting the kids pets for Christmas. Um, William really wanted a gecko. Oh, fun. And... John was like, absolutely not. He is not a pet person. And we'd had some bad experiences. Not bad, just kind of not great experiences yeah. before with both geckos and hamsters. Um, this may be actually kind of leading into the like milestone talk. Because I do think there's an age where kids can start to kind of care for this stuff on their own. Right. And I right. think I struck out by starting too young. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in a position to help that much because I right. had a bunch of little kids and just right. didn't care. So. We kind of, we said no, and then we wanted, and there was always that last minute, like, you just want to blow the kids' minds on Christmas, so we changed our minds and got these pets, and it's been awesome, and I am in love with this hamster. I I think my last four Instagram pictures might all be Scottish. Uh, Five. Five. Five, okay. Okay. And the one before that is your Uggs, which really falls right under the category of soft things that you got for Christmas. Yes, soft, soft, fuzzy things I got for Christmas, and there's two of them. I actually did my very first Instagram video. 
Oh, um, Scotty you Cheese. I think that was the first time I've ever. Okay. I think it was the first time I've ever done one. It that just awesome. he's so dang cute. I just can't take. He it. is and I, really cute. I get up from and he's really friendly. And I get up, you know, from my desk at work during the day, and I'll just be like, "My wonder, Scotty Cheese hands is up too," and I'll just kind of wander over to his cage and talk to him, and he'll come and see me, and it's adorable so well he does the hand the cheese hands i mean his hands in one of the pictures his hands are that's the one i'm going to put in the show notes so if you guys want to see this go to the momhour.com look for episode 34 there's one like his hands are like they do look like miniature human hands they are they're like human hands i know <laughs> i have another picture of him i think i'm not sure i didn't post it i don't think where he's actually nibbling his feet oh gosh and they're they're like little weird humanoid hand feet or something it's bizarre but he's so oh my god he's a lot of personality too so that is I'm sure really everyone cute. thinks they're well, welcome cutest, but uh, you can be the unofficial <laughs> mascot of the mom howard of the scotty cheese hands <laughs> yeah okay so what about your new edition you got a piano yes. yes we did so that's been in my instagram i think just one picture because the piano doesn't do as many cute things as uh not yet are. but just you know but, when it starts playing by itself or something or someone yeah exactly yeah um, but similar to having wanted one for a while, since we um, bought this house about a year and a half ago, um, there's just a little bit more living space, and I just had wanted um, a piano. I grew up with just an old upright in the house. We took lessons as kids. Nobody was like super, super into it, but I just love the concept of my kids growing up with a piano in the house, and I do want to at least try them in lessons, you know, and if they hate it, that's fine, but um, so I had been really overwhelmed by Craigslist pianos just because I'm not, I'm vaguely musical, but I'm not a piano expert by any means. And Craigslist just has a wide variety of sketchiness and, and good deals. <laughs> um, yeah. but something over break, I just looked again and I found one that number one, it looked in, it looked good. The keys weren't chipped. The wood was nice. But it wasn't overly expensive. I mean, it was in our price range. And so we went and saw it and ended up bringing it home. So my new edition is Yay. a 1983 Yamaha upright piano. So I'm nice. excited. It hasn't been tuned yet, but it also doesn't sound terrible. So, That's I mean, good. I'm sure like a, somebody with a really, really good ear could obviously hear where it needs to be tuned. But it's not like, I mean, the kids play and, you know, play around on it. It doesn't, it's not like, yeah. oh, my God. So... Yeah. I so. also, I would love to have a, a piano in our house. And we had one for several years. And then we moved and we just couldn't. We were moving across several states. We just couldn't mm-hmm. take it. So we left. I think we gave it to someone on Craigslist probably or Free Cycle. Um, I would love to have one again. And But I, like you, I'll get on Craigslist and start kind of trolling around. And then I'm like, and, uh, getting yeah. it here and making sure it's not a total disaster. I yeah. may actually go like the electric um, yeah. piano, but the ones that look like a piece of yes. furniture, not like a keyboard, yeah. because then, you know, the kids can also put their headphones on while yes. they play it. No, I've heard really good things about those. And actually yeah. it was only because I had this kind of aesthetic idea in right. my mind of an old wooden upright mm-hmm. that, but I think those make actually way more sense in a lot of ways. You could put headphones in them. They don't need to be tuned because they're digital. Um, they look really nice and cost like dollar for dollar for a new instrument. I think they're much more affordable, aren't they? Yeah. Um, it it I mean, totally I think depends. I more than a piece of junk old piano. Right. But, but, for, but they're still a good deal. Yeah, And the ones I've deal, seen, yeah. some of them look more – some like my brother has one that looks like a piano. I mean you really – unless you got up really close, you would just think it was kind of like one of those small like low-profile uprights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, looks kind of mid-century-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was under a thousand dollars for sure, but you know, but if you're getting a like a nicer, newer, regular piano and you want it to be in good shape, I mean, it costs money. So yeah, yeah, they're a good deal. So yeah, no, I've I've got my eyes open for both. Yes, awesome. All right, boy, that was a big you know detour from um, hamsters to pianos, and now we're going to talk milestones. (laughs) (laughs) So milestones. Um, all right, well, let's do this. Um, so I just wanted to start with a little story the other day uh, this week, I was working in a coffee shop and I was next to these three moms who were planning, I had my headphones in cause I get really distracted by other people's conversations, but even with my headphones in, they were like right next to me and they were planning a boy scout event for what had to be probably juniors or seniors in high school. And so it was the three moms talking about their boys and then they kind of veered off and they started talking about college applications and what the boys were doing in school. They started worrying about, did their boys know how to do a load of laundry before they went off to college and all these things. And it was so funny because you and I had, I think we had hatched this idea for this episode by the time I was listening, but it was really like, it was the exact same conversation that you have with like your new mom friends 
when your babies are three months old and right. you're talking about whether they've rolled over from their tummy to their back or whether they, you know, are taking the pacifier or not taking a pacifier. And it was just, it just kind of struck me. It was like the same conversation. And these three moms, they were very, you know, friendly. It was a very supportive conversation. It wasn't like, well, my son got into Harvard or right. anything yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, they were just, they were bonding over this discussion. And I think that's what we do. And I think if these milestone right. discussions with other moms can stay in that realm of like, hey, what's it like in your house or what's your kid up to and not go down the road of comparison or one-upmanship, then I think it can be really helpful, actually. But I think that's hard. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Um, it is hard. I think it gets very, you know, for me, I think it was like high pressure when they're really little. And then I think people kind of chill out a little bit or maybe stop caring as much <laughs> in the in the school year, you know, the elementary uh-huh. school years. Or maybe we just all recognize the range of mm-hmm. normal and, and every, the pressure's off, right? It's mm-hmm. like the golden years of parenting. And then you kind of get to the adolescent and teen years again. And I do feel like it kind of ramps back up. Not with yeah. everybody, but I do feel like there's like a – because now everyone's getting nervous again. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like when they're first born, they're babies – we're all wor- they're, they're fragile and then we're yeah. new at this and we don't know what we're doing and everyone's just kind of nervous and then we get our right. find our groove and people kind of relax and then I think it gets closer to like the end of high school and college and it starts mm-hmm. the pressure starts to kind of build again so I've I've been on both sides um I've Do definitely you feel had like great- in the people oh sorry I interrupted you no that's okay uh, I was gonna say I just feel like it's I've I've had great supportive conversations with teen moms of teens mm-hmm. and adolescents. And I've also had ones where I kind of was like, okay, I'm not talking about this anymore. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. 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 No, that's what I was going to ask is how, like, have you been in those conversations where it's like, well, so Johnny's got, you know, six applications into whatever schools I can yeah, see. How and, that I, would I, be. and I don't even, it doesn't even always come off like as boasty or, mm-hmm. um, purposely like 
high pressure or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's just comes from another, a place of anxiety mm-hmm. often. Definitely. And I'm trying really hard not to get into that. Like it's right. really easy for me to get myself all whipped up into anxiety as well. If I li- really listen and absorb like how many college applications somebody else's kid right. has sent out right. and that kind of thing. Like I feel like I just, I can't really go there. So, right. um, yeah, I don't know. And that's it's true all over of the place. Just of like the with new, being a new mom. They're babies. Yeah, it comes right. from anxiety then as well. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just something to talk about. I mean, you don't right. your whole world is sometimes very myopic at that stage. So there yes. is nothing else to talk about except that somebody's, you know, ate their baby food for the first right. time or whatever. But it does it can sometimes also come from anxiety. You know, we're, you know, comparing or trying to figure out what's normal and is your kid meeting, you know, doing the things they're supposed to be doing and all that. So right. I'm sure yeah. that part kind yeah. of never changes in a way. It doesn't. But yeah. anyway, and so you I know what? I don't think it ever will. Like we'll have twenty five year olds and thirty yeah. year olds and we'll be talking with other moms about yeah. you know, if they're dating and if how, what married. kind of job they have and if they're gonna get married and if they have kids. Yeah, I mean all that stuff it never yeah. really ends. No. We're so never guess, getting out of this. No. It never <laughs> ends. Um, so yeah, I guess then it's just about finding the right people in the right conversations where that feels helpful and not stressful. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so I just made a big list of some milestones from, like, the preschool and bigger kid and even tween and teen years that we're just going to kind of riff off of you and I. And I think our goal here for listeners is, number one, give everybody an idea of, like, what it's been like in our families and what's normal, because between us, we have eight kids. Um, And and also, for those who have younger kids, kind of give you a feel for what's what's up ahead. I know I didn't think about any of these older kid milestones when I didn't have any older kids, so... Sometimes it's kind of fun to get a preview. We hear a lot from our listeners who email us that even if they only have babies, they love hearing about what's next. So yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, kind of starting with the preschool set, and I know um, you and I both have something to say about this, but tell me about your kids being able to be dropped off somewhere or with someone else without major separation anxiety, or how did that work with your various five kids? You know, it's so funny. One thing that that is like one of those things that seems like a milestone when you, when you feel like you've passed it mm-hmm. and then you realize like it can change from week to week Yeah, because I have very clear memories of, um, you know, it's kind of harder to remember the older ones, but like I have really clear memories of the younger two and possibly even will, um, getting to a point where I could drop them off at, at a friend's house, like especially mm-hmm. if they had kids of their own or like where I could go to the grocery store and no one would right. freak out. And then suddenly one day it was different. And I have this very clear memory of going, Owen must've been like three and a half. Mm-hmm. And I went for a walk with one of my older kids. And I just wanted to go with the older kid because we wanted to walk fast. Right. And I I just wanted to talk to him. And I just wanted to go. And Owen, you know, threw this little fit. And I thought I had him settled down with the book mm-hmm. or something. And I left. And then, you know, we're about three quarters of a mile away. <laughs> and I hear this screaming behind me. And it's Owen. He's been chasing us the whole oh, time. Sobbing. Like, took him a long time to catch up because he probably didn't sneak out the door until... Right, you know, we were already what, halfway right. down the block, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> you can't just like leave the house, you know?" I, so I think that was one of those where it, it it would feel like we were over the hurdle, right? And then we would regress, right? Did you have that right. ever? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would say that for for most of my kids, like somewhere around three, it got a little better, whether it was a sitter or like gym daycare or Violet's right. just about to be three. She'll be three in like two weeks. Um, she's very attached to me. Like I know Clara is for you, like the youngest Mm -hmm. and you know, they spend a lot of time with us, but she's also intellectually able to just know that I'll be back in an hour. You know what I mean? So I think that's, there's, there's sort of like that first hurdle, which is knowing that mom comes back, you know, but I had, this is going back to more toddler, but I had a year where Allegra was in daycare and it was a good daycare. This is nothing against the teachers or and she cried, I mean, that hysterical separation, yes. crying, dropping off mm-hmm. at drop-off every day. She was in almost full-time, maybe three or four days a week for a year. I mean, yeah. and there was nothing else to do. It was a good daycare. I felt good about where she was. It was, there was nothing that was going to change. So that was more in the one to two-year-old. So I guess, yeah. I guess I feel like my kids all got better somewhere between two and three in that they might cry I, yeah. a little bit at first. Mm-hmm. But then stop. Then but we I can told be distracted. Yeah, and then you know, and then the teacher, the sitter, will always say they're fine after you leave. But yeah, um, man, that is that is a hard one, and it feels really good when you get to the point where you can just walk away, and it's not a big well, deal. But that could be. I think, I think that, for some kids, that could be five or six. Age that's five. That's what or I was six. just gonna say. For us, I would say with Clara, it really wasn't until like four or five that she was super yeah. 
fine with it. And, you know, the thing is there's a difference between the two-year-old who just doesn't really understand what's going on or has that anxiety that you're not going to come back, right. blah, blah, blah. That's one thing. And that's often that hysterical freaking out crying that's every single right. day and lasts forever. But there's also like the kid who knows you're coming back, but they're just sad that you're going. And that doesn't always go away. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's – and. Clara's very emotional and she's really yeah. expressive about her emotions. So when she was sad that I was leaving, like I, I found out about it. Like she was yeah. going to tell me. And I remember her being, you know, even at four years old, being very pathetic and sitting there like bravely wiping away the tears, like <laughs> so much drama. And I'm just, you know, going to the store or something. Right. Right. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that she, she knew I was coming back and, and she was okay with me going, I guess. But it was like, she still just had to let herself feel the feels. Right. Well, so. I have memories of being maybe five and being somewhere at a sitter's house or a friend's house and just watching the clock. I mean, just yeah. waiting. And it wasn't any traumatic place. I'm sure no, it was fine. But yeah, so I think that, um, and I, I know parents of early elementary school, kindergarten, first, even second graders who still, it's not that they cry at drop off, but that they want, you know, really want their parents to walk them all the way to the door or... Yeah be there right when they come out. So I think yep. all of that is quote unquote normal, especially if it's, you know, part, if it's getting, if it's getting better or if they're grow, you know, if, the, if everybody's on kind of on their own path of gaining independence. So if the right. path is moving at some level, I think it's mostly normal, but. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think it's one of those things. I mean, it's normal to love your parents and right. want to be around them. Yeah. And just because you're, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years old doesn't mean you magically now are not going right. to be sad about it. Right. I think you're right. It's like the, where are you progressing? Can they right. handle it even if they don't like it? Right. Are they able to make friends and still have a good time in class right. and, or wherever right. it is that they are? Exactly. Um, that's kind of where my marker. And, and yes. there's days when I drop a kid off and they're still not super happy to see me right. go. And that's right. okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not always, you know, I'm not always happy to see them go either. It's right. it's normal. So totally. I miss my friends when I'm not around them. I miss my, right. you know, relatives when they go home. So yeah. it's all normal. We're human beings. Yep. Okay. I think it's weird how we expect little kids to like be like robots or something. Right. Like they're, they're not allowed to feel the range of human emotion. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Because they're past a certain age. It's not fair. Right. right. No, I think that's so true. Um, okay, so here's a here's another one, um, and I don't know if you'll remember this exactly, but do you, did your kids stop napping or stop needing a nap at a certain age where you remember when it was, or did it just kind of phase out? I get asked this question a lot by moms of toddlers, like when did they stop napping? Yeah, I want to say most of my kids started trying to drop their naps earlier than I wanted them to, and I yeah. had to work really hard to make them keep the nap. And mm -hmm. often I would have another little kid or a baby, and it right. would just fall oh. by the wayside. Um, I want to say it was usually between two and a half and three. Yeah. That, I feel like that was when, like, the nap started to be sort of optional, mm -hmm. but it was really better if they had it. Yes. And then well, after three, it was kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah. And my kids, I think, are on the late end for this, or I'm on the late end of wanting to let it go. And we've talked before, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty structured about sleep. So I've like made my life. <laughs> I've right. had years of my life that are structured around naps, but, um, my kids have all been more like three and a half. Um, okay. it's funny if Violet makes it till three and a half, it will be right before she goes to preschool three mornings a week. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, if we can stretch it out because then I, then I will still have time. I will have Violet mm -hmm. free time, which now my Violet free time is nap. Um, but with Allegra, she would still nap willingly, but it started really messing up bedtime. And since I'm also a fan yeah. of the early bedtime, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want. I feel like at some point I had to make a choice. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's when and you know. for me, I did not want <laughs> yeah. her up till nine o'clock at night. So right. I, I cut out her nap and, um, and then Reed was different. He was also about three and a half, but he went through like a great year where it was kind of optional and it was optional and he was okay either way. Like I could let yeah. him fall asleep and I'd wake him up after like an hour so that bedtime wasn't too messed up and he was fine, but he was also fine if he didn't have a nap. And that lasted a long time. That was actually really convenient. And that was the year that Violet was kind of an infant. So I was able to kind of give him a nap if I needed him to, but he didn't need yeah. one. But um, I know, think there are some kids who drop naps as early as two and that would be yeah. really hard <laughs> because if you well, yeah. have a baby and yeah. Well, especially because there's like, you know, a later toddler, young preschool aged kid, like they take epic naps sometimes. And it's, yeah. it's like you finally, have you finally have earned this yeah. e effortless, you know, when they're babies and even sometimes toddlers, like their net, their, their sleep is so fragile in yeah. a way. 
and everyone's creeping around and you're yeah. trying not to bang yeah. things and you know they might wake up and cry and it's yeah. just like all the stress around it and then they get to be like two and a half and they'll go to sleep and like be asleep for like three hours yeah. and you can you know run the vacuum and they don't even wake yeah. up. That's how it was in my house anyway. Yeah. And so that was hard, like really hard for me to give up and I yes. would kind of cling to it and then start to kind of realize, okay, but now bedtime is a disaster. So right. Right. I kind of felt like that was when I started to kind of go one way or the other. Um, it was always a little different when I had like other babies in the house though, because mm-hmm. I remember doing that thing where I'd like lay down and nurse the one baby and then the toddler would kind of come, you know, usually by this point, he's like two and a half yeah, and would come and crawl up behind me and snuggle up and fall asleep. Oh. And then half the time I'd end up falling asleep. Yeah. So that was kind of fun, but not really the, not really what you're talking about, which right. is like the productivity right. aspect it. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's tricky. It is tricky. I think it'll be funny when I am nap free, it will be like the first time that I don't really like think about being home between in that like early afternoon window for the first time in like eight years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, if someone has always needed a nap, I haven't ever had a big enough gap. So it'll be right. like, it'll be like the Pavlovian response. Like got to get home. It's 1230. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Nope. Nobody needs a nap. Anyway. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, now I'm the one who takes naps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the napper in the house and it's hilarious. That. Like the kids will, cause my bedroom, um, our bedroom is on the first floor. Mm-hmm. So we're like right it's kind of removed from the rest of the house. We're not like right in the heart of things, but I can definitely hear activity going on. And I've realized about myself, like my sleep needs are such that I can do one early morning rise and be fine and make it all the way to the end of the day. And I'm fine. But if I get up super early two days in a row by about three or four the next day, I will, my eyes like burn that feeling. And I'm like, Oh "Oh my God, I feel like I'm pregnant. Like that feeling. (laughs) And so I will go into my bedroom and just kind of like flop on the bed and I'll just yell like, nap attack, someone <laughs> shut my door. And so Clara will come in sometimes and like give me a little tuck in and then she'll shut the door and say, have that a good is... nap, mom. And then she'll go off and have so a snack cute. or color or whatever. It's like, that's a milestone. Yes. I get when... to take naps. Yes. They put me to bed. It's that adorable. is an amazing milestone. <laughs> I've definitely done the thing where I pretend um, like play, let's, let's pretend I'm the baby and you're putting me <laughs> to bed. Oh my and I'll God, just that's lie here with my eyes closed and buy a little cup, but I could not actually take a real nap with her no. loose on the premises, but so, no, not uh, from what I understand about Violet either. No, both age wild. and disposition. Yeah. Well, she's a wild that. one. Um, yeah. okay. So one more from this, this is preschool and I think early big kid. Um, and this is one that I think my kids were sort of comically late at, but Getting dressed by yourself, as in, here, here's your clothes, get yourself dressed, or go pick an outfit and get yourself dressed. And one time I was at a swim lesson, and I watched, it was a mom with four kids, so she had a baby, and then like an 18-month-old, and then two older kids. And I watched this 18-month-old get herself completely dressed. I mean, take off her swimsuit and put an entire outfit on, including wow. after swim, you know, you're all sticky and stuff. Right, and yeah, I, that's t- I can over. hardly do that. Yeah, that's really early. 18 months to get yourself dressed. Um, my older two kids, I think it's, you know, I think it's my fault because I'm such a like taskmaster. So I'm like, okay, yeah. here's your pants. Let's get this on. And we're rushing and, or whatever. And um, you're like, you're doing the whole assembly line yeah. thing. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and also Allegra was not very into some of the preschool girls, especially get so into dress up and outfits that uh-huh. I noticed with some of her little friends, they got really good at it because it was what they did for play. You know, they took off yes. their clothes, they put on a princess dress and they... And that was, she was never really very into that. She likes dress up now, but, um, so she didn't really have that as a way to practice. But I think my kids were at least four before they could, if not four and a half before they could successfully do parts like undressed and getting a new outfit on, which I feel like is on the later end. I don't know if you remember that about any of your kids. Well, I I think one thing when my boy, the boys that I had that went to Montessori got good at it Uh really early. Um, or at least parts of it. You know, they weren't getting dressed and undressed at Montessori. Yeah, you guys have they, the winter stuff too, so kids have to be able yeah, to do that. Right. So that's a to me, that's a bigger deal. Like yeah. being able to put your own snow pants and coat on and like button zip it up and then like put your mittens and your hat and all that. And oh and gosh. that can be so exhausting when you're doing it for many kids. I'm glad I'm past that mostly yeah. now. Not yet all the way, but mostly. Um <clears throat> the for the little for the kids for just getting themselves dressed, I think like you, we were on the later side that they did it. I think they could have done it. Right. But I think I just got in the habit of, of, and also my kids do not, they're not early risers and they hate getting up in the morning. Yeah. So I would be the person like dressing my kids because they were right. falling asleep yeah. at the table. Yeah. And I have that exact, I remember my mom, I have this very clear memory of her muttering to herself like, this is ridiculous while dressing me. And I had to have been like seven or eight years old. I, oh. I, the house that we were living in, we didn't move it until until I was seven and a half. Yeah. And no, I, I mean, I do very that clear memory. still. 
Yeah, for the yeah. same reason. So like start they start school early. So even though she's not a big sleeper in her, she's yeah. still I usually have to wake her up. And um same thing. She just she's not particularly fast at those types of yep. self care. She's she can do it, but she gets distracted and so I yeah. very often am dressing or helping to dress a seven and a half year old still. So I don't know. Yeah. I sometimes feel like I shouldn't be, but also it's just how you got to get through the morning though. You morning. Know, it's not that they can't. Yeah. That's the thing. And Clara, I know can. And, and with girls, sometimes it is a bit easier because they can wear leggings and stuff. Yeah. And when the boys, you had to button pants and, and yeah. they're harder, like jeans. I have very clear memories of doing that thing where you hold the um, belt loops of the jeans with your fingers yeah. Yeah. and then you're like, okay, both feet in. And then you like do that thing where you pull yeah. up and like, they up. jump into the pants. Yeah. Um, don't have to do that as much with Clara. She doesn't like wearing jeans. But I do think that living in a colder climate also affects all this. And remember when we were talking about um, the Summer Shortcuts book and I talked mm-hmm. about putting my kids to bed in their yeah. clean yeah. clothes? Genius. I've actually started having Clara do that because she okay. wakes up in the morning and she's just like, oh, I'm so cold. I'm so yeah. cold. And she doesn't want to take her clothes off. And I get it. Owen will get dressed in the morning and then go lay by the heater, like yeah. lay in front of the heater for, you know, 10. I have to get him moving. Like I'll say, okay, now you have to actually leave you can't just lay in front of the the heater all day (laughs) so i do think cold weather it's not that they can't it's just that they don't want to and i don't want to nag and wait around so i end up sometimes helping (laughs) let's put it that way well i Um, violet has a natural interest in clothes and outfits which is different than either of my other kids and she and also she's the youngest so she wants to be like the big kid so she is definitely like she's not quite three she'll be three in a couple and she can do she was really proud she did a shirt, like a long sleeve t-shirt herself the other day. That was like, that was a stretch goal. <laughs> but the rest, like underwear and pants and socks and shoes, she can do, which my other kids could mm-hmm. not do at just under three. So there's definitely some motor skills involved. And then, but like you said, I think mostly it's practice. So if you have a kid who likes yeah. dress up or just is naturally independent, but a lot of them kind of just would rather you put their socks on them while they ate cereal. <laughs> I will also admit right now that None of my kids learned how to tie their shoes very well until they were like at least eight years old. Yeah, that's. I mean, a, it, there's not as many tough. shoes with ties anymore. I know that's no, a and they were so that should have been, been its own Velcro. I forgot to put it on here. Yeah, yeah they've been wearing Velcro for years, and then all of a sudden I'm like, right. oh, now now we're kind of at the point where Velcro shoes look dumb on you because you're big. Right. And so I'd buy lace up shoes and then struggle with it. Yeah. And they have those things now that you can like put on the laces, so mm-hmm. you don't actually the stretchy laces, and then you don't have to um, tie them, which I think is kind of genius. But yeah. I mean. They have to learn it. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they have to learn it, and it feels like a big deal at the time. And then they learn it, and you realize it wasn't that big of a deal, and it wasn't that big of a deal that they didn't know how to do it. Either. And it wasn't holding you them know? back from like normal social right, development. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but that probably when we were kids, because Velcro is like barely new when we were kids, right? Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kids' daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. 
And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Bionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. So I do remember learning to tie my shoes, and that was, I feel like, maybe it was a bigger milestone for us. I think it was when you had to do it. Especially, you know, like I think I had to learn in kindergarten because we were yeah. going off to school and the teacher wasn't going to tie my shoes. And I remember well, my brother having a was very totally, hard time learning. Yeah, my brother was totally traumatized in his kindergarten class because the teacher said that there was a shoe tying club and everybody who could tie their shoes was in the club. Oh Isn't that terrible? First of all, it is terrible. It's a terrible. So, and you know, anyway. there's the thing about the thing about shoes, tying shoes is one of those things that's completely not intuitive. I mean, it doesn't right. make sense. When you look right. at it, you have to just do it over and over and over. And it's like, it's like riding a bike. You just have to right. keep doing it until your muscle memory takes over and you don't think about it. But the more right. you think about it, the harder it gets to do right. it. And I, like teaching my kids how to tie their shoes, I was reminded of that, like how impossible it is to break it down. Yeah. There's so many moving parts and it doesn't yeah. like tuck this here and what? It doesn't even yeah. make sense. So, um, and the thought of doing that when you're also trying to get out the door in the morning. Yeah. It's, <laughs> are any of your kids shoe tires yet? I remember Allegra learned, I think she was in kindergarten and she was really proud, but yeah. I'm thinking now as you ask, I don't think she's had a good pair of tie shoes in like at least a year or two. So it's quite possible she's forgotten. And yeah. I don't think Reed knows. He's five and a half. I don't think he knows. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, if you, it could slip by, <laughs> you could all of a sudden have a 10 year old. Yeah. I really think, I, I want to say Owen just learned last year and he was nine years old. And the reason yeah. was because he was in third grade and suddenly he was this huge kid and suddenly I thought, oh. Well, he's going to look really, you know, kind of dumb with like these baby shoes. Right. On. And plus they might not even make them in his size anymore. I mean, there is a size cutoff where like all of a sudden Velcro shoes are really hard to find, especially for boys. Right. Um, and I think we might have just hit that wall and been like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh. Um, he knows okay. now. He knows. Okay. Good job, Owen. A plus. Um, okay. Well, I was going to move on to some of these big kid. This is a perfect segue, but, um, I want to talk about like the fun, big kid, physical skills, like bike riding, monkey bars, swimming, some of these like bigger kid things that it's fun to see them conquer. These have been Mm -hmm. fun for me because my older two are not naturally athletic. They've always done kind of verbal intellectual milestones much sooner than physical going way back to when they were babies. But I think it's fun no matter when it happens, but because my kids have been more on the later side or these things are harder for them, it's always, it's really fun for me as a mom to see somebody go without training wheels or swim across the pool. So um, I don't know, how has that worked? Um, have, did you have some kids who did those things sooner and others later or? Well, with swimming, I think it's really been dependent on whether they've been had, they've been in lessons at the time and yeah. whether they've we've been like at a pool a lot and with some mm-hmm. kids we've been swimming more with than with others. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been all over the place from, I want to say Jacob learned to swim pretty young, but he was also in, you know, regular lessons. And I think right. he was like four or five and the other kids it's been seven or eight often right. before they're just exposed enough right. to the pool to do it. Bike riding has been inter- interesting because <clears throat> I had this sense in my head, like kids should be riding a bike by like six because that's mm-hmm. what I thought I did. Um, and I, was really stressed out that none of my kids could ride a bike without training wheels. And then they all sort of just learned it about eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I thought back to when I was a kid and I realized like the timeline in my head didn't make any sense because the bike I had, I clearly remember like that was the bike I had when I first was able to ride a bike and like piecing that together with the house we lived in mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. I had to have been at least seven and a half, almost eight when okay. I learned two. So you know what I mean? Like think, I think sometimes we have this, romanticized or possibly not very accurate memory about our, uh, when we did certain things as a kid. And then when you really think back or ask your mom and dad or ask your siblings, you find the truth. (laughs) And often my kids have been exactly on par with where I was and I was pretty free range. It's not like my parents weren't teaching me to do this stuff actively. If I wanted to know, I might go ask them, but it wasn't like they had a timeline in their head and they, that they had. So I kind of feel like I was like sort of like um, a very natural example of how, when kids are ready to learn crap on their own, mm-hmm. just because I mostly learn stuff on my own. Yes. So 
So anyway, that, that makes yeah, me feel no, better sometimes. Yeah, it does. I think, um, I think bike with no training wheels. Oh, that, it just seems like that has a huge range of normal oh, yeah. on our street, which, you know, there's always kids riding bikes on our street. There's one little girl who's still learning and she's out there practicing and she's third grade. So she's, mm-hmm. you know, eight and a half. And there's another little boy who just turned four. Like he was three. He's just a little bit older than Violet and has been on without training wheels. Like, forever like you know well, and so, motivation has a big yeah ha, plays a big part and if a kid's really super motivated to learn it doesn't take long to learn no but if you don't if you're not to. there yet with your motor skills or if you don't care yeah <laughs> yeah and um owen and will had these little scooters like little yes. razor scooters when they yep. were you know about the age most kids were learning to ride yeah. bikes so they just didn't learn because they didn't care they scooted it was adorable they and scooted that's everywhere where, that's where that's where reed is he's super yeah. proficient he's like this tiny little guy on a razor scooter and he's so fast and can do anything and I like got a bee in my bonnet a couple months ago and was like let's just at least try with the bike and you know I wanted him to be able to ride with the other kids in the neighborhood and he actually did it in like one afternoon but he hasn't done it since like he's like yeah I already learned how to do that (laughs) so yeah I think he'd fall over because you know it takes practice but um yeah same thing well Um, Clara got her um her maxi scooter when she was five mm -hmm. so she's been used to that since she was way younger than I would have ever even thought to try to put her on a bike with no right. training wheels, right? I think she was still riding a tricycle at that point. Right. Um, and so now she's so confident in that because it's so easy for her to ride that I think it's going to be kind of a tough sell. Yeah, that's yeah, that's to exactly. get her off of it, that's which is exactly. fine because I don't yeah. really. I mean, I don't. At this point, she, it's not like she has hordes of little kids riding bikes around the neighborhood that she right. needs to keep up with. So I'm right. not feeling like a lot of motivation to make it happen or no, pressure. I agree. I will say one more thing on these is because I had a super, super cautious first child, physically very cautious. It was like something like something clicked when she was about five and a half, the kindergarten year, but probably late into that kindergarten year. So between five and a half and six, where all of these things that in my mind, she'd either been behind or just not interested in. I wouldn't say behind, like I wasn't worried about it, but just she just didn't like to do this sort of like really physical things other kids like to do. Monkey bars, like gymnastics type stuff. Not not trained gymnastics, but you know what I mean, right. like running around. Tumbling and stuff, um, yeah. And then all of a sudden that kindergarten year, she was like became obsessed with monkey bars, took the training wheels off her bike. There was something else. Swimming took off. She had done lessons before, but just just again, very cautious, only doing like what she had to do to do swim lessons, you know, not having fun in the water, playing on the steps basically. Um, yeah. And all those things took off like between five and a half and six. And now I would not even call her physically cautious almost at all. She still overall has kind of a cautious personality. But if I'm comparing her to other kids her age, I wouldn't even put her in the cautious half, really. So yeah. it's like you those things. And she was from the very beginning, she was a cautious, physically cautious baby and toddler. So it's like you just never know. She's not, I mean, she's definitely not a daredevil, but I wouldn't even call her cautious anymore. It's crazy. So yeah, Jacob was like that too. He was really cautious. He was the kid like at the playground as a baby that I didn't have to watch at all because he never tried to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he would just sit next to me on the bench or play yeah. in the dirt. Yeah. Um, but now, and as soon as he was like five or six, he was just like everyone else. I mean, it just yeah. kind of went away. Yeah. So That's funny. All right. Um, okay. So I have a I have another one that this is sure. Um, so tell me about wiggly teeth and your kids. Did your kids lose their oh, teeth? Gosh early like they got teeth early because this is a this is like where we are have I ever right? told you about my creepy drawer full of teeth uh no, <laughs> no do you have an actual creepy drawer full? <laughs> well no I don't anymore because I got rid of that jewelry box but I okay. had this kind of old like 90s you know those like hmm. dark wood jewelry boxes yes. with all the with all the trays the, like, the places all the trays and the thing that opens up on the side and I never used it and I was going to give it to Clara so I was cleaning it out and I opened up one of the little <laughs> drawers and it was absolutely full of teeth <laughs> The funny thing is I'm pretty sure my mom kept our teeth in like the exact same drawer in her jewelry box because I used to go look at them. (laughs) So, um, you know, wink, wink, the tooth fairy must have been dropping them back off for me. Um, I don't really remember how I got them back from the tooth fairy, but she was giving them back to me. And I think I was just tossing them all in a drawer because I was like, what else am I going to do with these teeth? And, And then I eventually just realized, first of all, it was creepy. But secondly, I had no idea who's teeth they right. were. I mean, I couldn't identify <laughs> the teeth anymore. I couldn't line them up with anybody. So, um, um, they all went to like the tooth burial ground. And yes. then I think I just kept like the cutest tooth, <laughs> like the one to <laughs> represent them all, you know, yes. and that's still around somewhere in my new jewelry box. But, um, 
It's one of those little cases that, you know, like the little tooth case that's got yes, like a little yeah, plastic yeah. tooth shape case. Yeah. Like I still got that one. Um, but okay. So anyway, back to the teeth thing. My kids got their teeth super young. All yes. of my babies had teeth by three months. That's crazy. So it was crazy. Uh, it was not as big of a problem with breastfeeding as people thought it was going to be. No, because I had, had to have both I mean, my, teeth. My kids were four and five months, which is also quite early. Yeah, not that's as young. Early. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a problem until they started, until they had both sets. Mm-hmm. And they would eventually, sometimes every now and then they would clamp down. When they were falling asleep. But they kind of learn that, that not there's to, I know, nothing good is going to come from that. That's right. I know. always ask me that too because I had early teethers. But like, yeah, it was never a big once. deal. Yeah. And if it's their bottom teeth, their tongue is in the way. So they really can't right. even bite you. And if right. it's the top teeth, you might get nipped. It was never a big deal. So yeah. not a, no problem. Um, but they lost their teeth at, at pretty normal, you know. It was a pretty normal age, I guess. I don't even really remember. Like starting around six? Yeah. No, the reason I ask is because my kids all also got teeth early as babies, which is supposed to relate to losing them early. But mine are not early losers. So no, they don't mine never were either. Trend. They're kind of average to late. So yeah. um, I think yes. Allegra lost her first tooth just before she turned six, like, but like a couple of weeks before she turned six. But then, then like she didn't lose another one for quite a while longer. And like her top teeth weren't until she was seven and... Um, and Reed yeah. hasn't, he doesn't have any loose and he's five and a half, a little over five and a half. So, um, yeah, my kids were all on like, the later side too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that goes on for a long time. It's kind of fun. I, I'm not grossed out by wiggly teeth, but I know, are you grossed out when they show you like their tooth that's hanging no, out? No, it doesn't here? really bother me. I would just assume they, you know, yanked them out already. Sometimes yeah. like, it's ridiculous, but I remember being at that age and I would never pull my teeth. Like I would hang on till the bitter, bitter end. I just thought yeah. it was so exciting when I was a kid to have a loose tooth. You'd think you'd get yeah, used to it because you have 20 to lose, but I loved can't it. Can't you still remember that sensation of being able to yeah. move it around with your tongue? Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was like the most exciting thing ever. And I still think it's kind of fun when my kids have wiggly teeth, but we're at the beginning yeah, I do of too. that. Um, um, I will say like when – so we talked about in an episode a few weeks ago. I don't remember when. Recently that Clara had two of her teeth pulled, her top yes. two front teeth pulled uh when she was three and it was funny because people would say she looks like like the world's smallest first grader she was like this tiny little girl who had no front you know her two front teeth were missing um and her i i don't know if i said this already but on christmas her her front tooth finally oh my gosh on christmas that's so she asked for her two front teeth for christmas and then on christmas one of them came like you know broke through so now she's gonna look her face is gonna change so much it's crazy yeah because you've been without those yeah yeah, and she's so gonna fun. have big adult teeth in there. It's gonna be bizarre. well. That's where this is when we'll kids start to, to look weird. <laughs> smile pictures because Allegra's yes. are. I mean, they come in really slowly, and yeah. Allegra. One of her two big ones was quite a bit ahead of the other, like two or three months. Yes, not in losing them, but in the ones that um, came down. So there's yeah. still kind of lopsided, but it's really cute. And already they're not all the way down, but it's enough that you can start to see that like big kid smile. It's crazy. Yeah. It's fun though. I know. I like that. And you know, to your point, Clara is two months away from her seventh birthday. And mm-hmm. I was getting worried that when those teeth weren't coming, I yeah. thought, did something happen? Like, did they get damaged when yeah. the other ones were right. pulled? And then just in time for me to be reassured, they popped yeah. through. So. Oh, that's really cute. I love that it was Christmas. Yeah. Know, All right. Really so, um, moving on, um, I kind of wanted to talk about like increased independence a little bit with our big kids, yeah. but we, I will say first, cause we're not going to have a ton of time that if you're new to the podcast that we spent episodes 12 and 13 on talking about free range parenting and free range kids. And we talked a lot about giving kids independence as they get older. So we'll probably overlap a little bit of that right now. But if that's where your kids are, you're interested in more, definitely go check out episodes 12 and 13. We did a two parter. So, um, but the first kind of milestone I wanted to mention is making their own friendships. And how has that worked for your kids? Cause you know, there's like play dates and there's friends that you're family friends with. And then there's like class birthday parties. But when do you feel like your kids really started to develop their own social relationships where you had nothing to do with it, where they just clearly gravitated toward one kid or one group of kids? That's a really good question. I'm going to say, I don't think Clara's really there yet. Yeah. I don't, I mean, at the very beginning, she's got girls that she hangs out with that she likes. Um, but she could take them or leave them honestly. (laughs) And a lot of the ones that end up at her parties and stuff are kids. I've sort of uh, what's the, I don't want to say pushed. I have yeah. encouraged friendships yes. with because I know the moms or right. I like the kids or whatever, yeah. you know, so, or they live nearby. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to say like when my kids started showing clear preferences for certain kids that they really wanted to hang out with was more like third or fourth grade. Yeah. I was going to guess third. Cause I don't yeah. think Allegra has one buddy that I will say she really, that they really became buddies on their own. And 
you know, I like the mom and that kind of thing. But that's just one. And even that, they're not in the same class this year. And it wasn't like heartbreaking. Like, like you said, it was kind right. of like, right, yeah. well, whatever. And, and Claire will, Claire's will change. Like I'll ask her sometimes. I'll be like, so who's your, you know, your best friend in your class? And she'll tell me. And I'm like, oh, great. And then a couple weeks later, I ask again. It's a completely different kid. So she's not right. forming those. Right. The one exception was um, her little friend named Cole who moved away. And it was, he was a boy and it was in kindergarten. Okay. And they were buddies, like really buddies. But they didn't play together outside of school. I didn't really know the mom. Right. Um, and they moved and I, she didn't shed a tear about it. It wasn't right. like that, you know, it was right. like, that was her playmate at school. Right. But, um, yeah. And do you remember that from come, when you were go. a kid having, I mean, I could remember pretty close friendships or groups of three as young as like first grade. So I don't know. Yeah. I definitely had super close friendships from very young, but I, um, mine tended to be a little more like practical. Like I, they were always someone I lived nearby. Mm-hmm. Or that I got to see a lot, you know, I got to yeah. walk to school with or whatever. Right. So there was always still that practical or sort right. of logistical aspect of it. I think it was like more like high school before I started to really become friends with people just because I liked them. Right. Without right. without it meaning having anything to do with like proximity or who, you know, what classes we were in or any of that stuff. That was like right. high school. But I still had definite preferences very young. And what about yeah. your boys with social dynamics like, you know – fighting or being excluded or draw I know I mean stereotypically the boys are going to be less drama but I don't believe that that's a thousand percent true I mean boys can definitely yeah. still gang up on each other and stuff do you feel like there's an age where that stuff starts or does it just depend on the kid and the group I think it totally depends on the kid and the group we've had kids that where that starts really early mm-hmm. um and I've got kids right now who it's still I will say that my boys one way that they tend to be a little different from Clara so far, which might just be, could be for a lot of reasons, is they right. tend to just have a few really close friends and there's not as many intermingling. There's not really groups of three going right. on, which I think right. is always hard. Yeah. Um, so it, it just feels like it's not really an issue with them right now, mm-hmm. but that could change for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you hear sometimes, I mean, I I have heard of that starting with girls really young, preschool even. Yes. But my Allegra, again, was not... Um, ever part of the types of friends where not like she was above that or anything. Right. She was just more reserved in general. So I don't think she bonded with people enough to get her feelings hurt, yeah, you know, at those young sense. ages. I think Claire is still a little more casual about it as well. So, yeah. and she's got cousins that she plays with and stuff like that. I think it just, that takes a lot of the pressure off while she's at school. She right. doesn't really need to make a lot right. of buddies there. Right. So yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe then, she's the bully and I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she's, running, she's running the school. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what then what about crushes? Do you remember when your boys started? Did they ever tell you they had a crush on someone like at yes. a young age or was it later? Jacob had a crush on a girl whose name I think was Malia, but he couldn't pronounce it. So he called her Balia um, <laughs> when he was three. Oh, he always he was a romantic and he always yeah. had crushes like all the time. Um, everybody else, you know, has kind of kept it under their hat a little more. Yeah. You know, I think I've noticed like little things like, oh, it seems like he kind of likes her or whatever. But nothing, nothing deep and true and lasting, or at least nothing that I've yeah. seen with my own yeah. eyes. And Clara, yeah. you know, her little friend Cole, I would say she kind of had like a little friend crush on him, but it was right. not a big deal. Right. Well, so, I think that has to just be like inborn. No, my older two are not romantics that way. Just buddies and friends. And they actually both play, play really well with opposite sex kids, but nothing. But I know that there are some kids. I had crushes in kindergarten and first grade. Me too. I had the same I remember crush very for well years. Crush. Like, Me too. So, um, and, and I have friends whose kids are, you know, totally have sweet little crushes from very young age. Just not, that'll probably be Violet. I mean, she's just more emotionally intense in a lot of ways. Yeah. So maybe she'll be my romantic, but, um, yeah. Well, um, have I skipped anything that you wanted to talk about? I was going to finish up on kind of teenage independence and kind of some of that, like. Were we going to talk about, well, this might be the teenage thing, but were we going to talk about stuff like, um sleepovers and yeah I would love to going off um, and going yeah. off to or being left yeah. home alone stuff like that yeah yeah so I yeah that was kind of like an umbrella category for all of these yeah. older okay. kids but yeah let's talk about sure. sleepovers because I think that's something people wonder about um and you've had a lot of cousin and very close friend sleepovers which I kind of feel like are a different thing but yes. was there an age in your family where kids were allowed to do like a friend sleepover not counting cousins and best friends and stuff that that's the thing though like when you ask me that yeah. I can't it's never really been – it's never been brought up. I don't think that they even want to. I mean, right, I can't even they're... think – except for, like, the bigger kids. Like, 
Will, you know, he's in sixth grade. He's at the age now where he might get invited over to a best friend's house and then there might be another guy, another kid there, right. you know, and right. maybe it's someone I don't know as well. Um, Owen, besides his cousin Jack who lives in town, he has one really good friend, Brayden, who he likes to do sleepovers with every now and then. But they've been buddies for, you know, since third, second, third right. grade, and they know right. each other really well, and I know the parents. I It's just not really, like, a big issue. I know that's, yeah. like, one of those – it's, like, a surprising to me because I grew up in sleepover culture. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Um, it's kind of always surprising to me just how contentious a topic this can yeah. be. Yeah. I and didn't really realize say, it was till recently. I mean, probably yeah. just because of the age my kids are getting to, but – um, and I've heard people like, say things like, you know, nothing good comes of sleepovers or nothing good happens at sleepovers. And I don't, I actually don't agree with that. I think that they can be like a really great way to kind of ease into being independent and like yeah. having that special time with your friends and being in a new environment. At the, at the same time, I know bad crap goes down yeah. Yeah. at sleepovers and I understand the protectiveness of it. Um, I just think it's like a case by case. I don't think you totally. can like have a wholesale yes, policy. pro yeah. or anti policy yeah. unless you consider all the different options or all the right. different circumstances. Right. So, well, and I, I mean, I think it's so great too, that your kids have grown up with those like built in sleepovers cause they probably right. haven't. I do think that sometimes kids who've never been to a quote unquote sleepover, that it seems like this amazing things are happening that I've never participated in. I don't know. It just hasn't come up for us yet. We haven't been invited to any, we don't have those kind of like cousin or those kinds of friendships where it would happen naturally, but Right. Um, I mean, I definitely, I, gr- I feel like it was a sleepover every weekend from about Me second too. grade on. Yeah. Um, and I, I just you know, with my, my really, really bestest friends. Yeah. That's, that's, well, and that's kind of where I've had to like sometimes lay down the law and, and I'll, you know, the other mom and I will kind of get together and, and make a rule like they're going to be in bed, lights out by yeah. X time and, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Um, we have kids here all the time we have sleepovers yeah. here like every weekend. And yeah. I don't know, for me, it's just something that I grew up doing. I know the kids really well who are sleeping over or right. who my kids are sleeping at their house right. and it right. doesn't bother me. Um, right. I think it'd be really different if it was a different kind of circumstance it maybe I'd feel differently. Well, but, and it may be yeah. too that pe- that we're phasing out of a culture where you'd have like all the girls in your class over for a sleepover yes. birthday party. Cause that's I like will what agree I grew that up that with. Can... And that's well, probably, and yeah, I don't think it that's can be more problematic. <laughs> No, and that's where, like, really, you know, those kind of crazy sleepovers is where – and not that I'll never let that happen for a birthday party. I will say, like, we sometimes do group sleepovers for birthday mm-hmm. parties still. Um, not Clara hasn't. She's not there yet, but maybe in a couple of years. And I will say I remember there being some really hurt feelings and things mm-hmm. happening at girls' sleepovers that weren't – Yeah, don't remember. Somebody was always up. crying. Somebody was always crying at a sleepover like well, that. Well, someone would get excluded. Yeah. That's, you know, someone would always get either excluded or yeah. like that would be the girl that everyone turned on. But then you yeah. didn't want to be the girl who wasn't there. Yeah. Because then you'd really get turned on. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. It's like a bad yeah. environment. It's a, it's, but it can be bad, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. But I also think there can be some really great things about sleepovers. So I'm, I guess, neutral. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm neutral, getting... but leaning toward pro. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting to the age of, speaking of birthday parties, of just drop off birthday parties during the day, yeah. which is amazing. Um, I feel like I, I never hated birthday parties the way some people seem to when my kids were really little. Cause I felt like it was something for us to do socially as a family. But I also feel like we only went to parties of families that we really liked. Like everybody liked each other. The parents liked each other. Right. Then when you get into preschool and kindergarten and first grade and you're invited to class birthday parties and you don't know the parents, but your kids are too little or they don't want you to leave or you're not supposed to leave. That's when like, that's the awkward time. It's and a lot of I, awkward standing around. Yeah. And, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and now I feel like I'm coming out the other side and the, just the drop-off parties, which are just great because it doesn't break up the whole family. It's not like, okay, I've now my next two and a half hours, I've got to take her over here. So, um, so that's kind of nice. I feel like that is maybe about age seven, eight, most of the parties are drop-off. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you know, when my kids were that more, um, the age that you describe <laughs> yeah. where it was like three, four, five, and you, you couldn't really drop them off or you were never really sure, um, yeah. wh- whether that was okay or not. Um, I will say we declined an awful lot of birthday mm-hmm. party invitations yeah, we did because too. it just wasn't worth it for me to give up our entire family yeah. or at least one parent's three hours on a Saturday when the other kids yeah. are sitting at home. It just, to me, it just didn't fit no, if, unless it was a good friend. Yes. And if it was a really good friend, often they'd just be like, yeah, just drop them off because right. my kid was kind of like one of their kids. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a stranger coming in or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. We kind of managed, we, we flew, we kind of floated through that phase without too much damage, but I definitely remember some, some, uh, awkward standing around. Standing around. I know. Yeah. yeah got to be done for a couple awkward years at least yep. a few times. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, what about staying home alone? I know you've, we've actually talked about this in our free range episode. And I think a little bit when you've talked about teenagers, but, um, do you have an age where you've started to leave your kids alone either for a little bit of time or then as they get older for longer? I think with the big kids, I held out to like 12 just because I think that was the age where like everyone said it was okay or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, since then it's gotten a lot more lax because we have more kids in the house and right. because we, there's usually an older one around anyway. Right. Owen is 10 and I would have no problems leaving him home alone. It just doesn't really ever come up. Right. It has a few times if he's like stayed home sick from school and he's the only one here and I have to run right. the store. Um, it's funny how different it is now because I'll literally like just forget he's not older. And, right. You know, he'll be laying on the couch and I'm like, oh, I'll be back in the, I'm going to go to the gym or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll be halfway there and think, oh my gosh, he's like only 10. I never would have done that. <laughs> With yeah. the older kid. But I think that's the difference between parenting a bunch of little kids, one of yeah. whom finally got big, right. and having a bunch of big kids where one is like on the lower end of big. Well, yeah. So, and when your big kids were 12, yeah. you wouldn't have had an opportunity to leave just them home alone very often because there was right. other and ones and you kids. weren't going to leave them with yeah. a bunch of – I don't know. I, I kind of feel like you just was, know. But, yeah. It doesn't feel arbit- like an arbitrary age to me. I feel like it's just the kid. You just know. Yeah. When it's time, yeah. you just know. Do you feel like completely – like are you so confident that you can walk out the door and not even think about it? Yeah. In that yeah. case, I don't think it matters if the kid's 13 or, or 9. I mean it depends where you're going and how long you'll be gone. And right. Of course. All those circumstances. How hard would it be to get back? Do you have any neighbors in the area that could right. handle things? Do they have a phone? I mean there's a lot that goes into it. But I think all those factors kind of are subconsciously in my head anyway. Right. Right. And help me. And is it one of those kids who's going to like burn the house down because right. they're going to play with matches or is it right. the kid who's just going to lay there and read a book? I mean, the right. kids are different, right. you know, so. Right. And then overnight, um, I know, did you say you've left the teenage boys overnight before? I have left the 18 and 16 year old together. Okay. Um, in fact, the 16 year old wasn't even here most of the time. He was here right. and like during the day, but then he went to a friend's house for just really the 18 year old and he's, right. he's legal. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, yeah. I remember staying. I think I was 17. I must have been almost 18, but staying. And it's not that I wouldn't. It's just that it yeah. hasn't really come up that often. Um, right. But like we'll go visit my sister and she just doesn't really have space for everybody. Right. And so – and the, someone needs to watch the dog. It just makes right. more sense right. to leave the bigger ones home. And then often Isaac will get an invitation and end up leaving. Right. But they're – I'm not worried about it. You know, it's like – I feel like, again, like it's one of those things you just know when it's time. Right. Right. It's so funny. We've come all the way to the, to the eighteen-year-olds who are I know off to college or whatever they're doing. Like these ladies who are talking about their kids. Yeah, they were talking about whether their sons knew how to do laundry. I thought it was kind of cute. This, we brought this full circle. I know. I know. <laughs> um, well, any wise parting words before before we sign off? I don't. I feel like this whole thing has been one of those. I don't know. It depends. Topics. Yeah. Doesn't it kind yeah. of feel like all of our topics are like that? I mean, yeah. I just feel like. It's all over the place, and sometimes we have a sort of ramped up idea of what's normal or when we did something or when our friends' kids did something right. that's right. not based in reality or like not right. based in our reality. So right. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, milestones are fun, but I, I try not to stress out about them. No, I think anymore. that's very wise. And I think I've said this, I think, in our baby and toddler episodes. If you can surround yourself with people, that have a wide range of normal kids with special needs and kids with, you know, who are super advanced and just a lot of like diversity in your friends and family circle, if that's possible, is just really helpful in, in kind of calming down that fight or flight instinct of like, Oh my gosh, my kid's not normal or what's going to happen next. So I think that can be one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is pay attention to the wide range of normal that's around you and also pay attention when things don't seem like they're quite normal with your kid. And then that may be a different conversation. But um, if you're only looking at your own kids all the time and comparing them either to like the internet or the books, things can get wonky in your head, I guess is my point. So having, you know, listening to podcasts like this or talking to other moms who are, you know, going to make you feel supported and not just compared I think is really helpful. And that, like we said at the beginning, it never ends. <laughs> like you might Absolutely. be worried about when your kid's going to poop on the potty, but guess what? <laughs> Something else is around the corner. So, <laughs> yep. Look at you oh. did the wise words. Oh no. Do we oh, have no. any other, do we have any other words we have to leave people with? This no. Week? Um, no, I just will remind people to go to the momhour.com. This is episode 34. So you can look for the show notes. We'll link to anything that we talked about today, like Scotty cheese hands is, cheesy hands 
Um, the photo of your hamster. He's actually holding cheese in his hands, you guys, in that picture. He's, <laughs> in his, he has a little piece of cheese. In his those. miniature humanoid hands. Yep. Um, yeah, so check out the show notes. Um, while you're there, we'd love for you to subscribe to our email list or subscribe to the podcast in whatever your favorite podcast app is. All those things continue to help us. So that's Absolutely. all I got. All right, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll talk we'll to all you people. Talk week. to you soon. All right, bye-bye. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.